Welcome everybody to my podcast, Big Little Small Talk. I'm Megan O'Hara-Sullivan and I love to talk, but I also love to listen. If you're new here, welcome. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello everyone. Welcome to Big Little Small Talk. My guest today is Tyrone Phillips and he is a fire twirler or a fire dancer or a fire spinner. I'm not quite sure. I don't know the difference between the two. (laughs) Welcome, Tyrone. Thanks, Megan. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Okay. Now, we're only new friends. We only met last week. And you said in your spare time, you're a fire twirler. So Hmm. do you say fire twirler or dancer or spinner or what what are you? That's a great question. So fire twirling is is a subset of what I like to call flow arts. Um, Basically, anything I can do with fire, people do without fire as well. And, and yeah, the, the fire twirler bit is a bit of a misnomer, I guess, because often people will see me practicing in the park with, with this sort of equipment that is you can't set on fire and, and I say, oh, I'm a fire twirler. And they say, you know, well, when are you setting it up? And, and, and well, this, this stuff doesn't set on fire, so am I really a fire twirler? <laughs> but basically, um, yeah, I call myself a fire twirler or, or a flow artist, I guess. But um, I've got plenty of other equipment that doesn't set on fire. So I've got some, some LED stuff. I've got some stuff that glows on a black light. Um, Lots of bits and pieces, some okay. shiny sparkly bits. Well, I want to talk about the LED lights a little bit later on because mm. I gather that that's sort of the latest um, invention mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. in this, this art. So where, how do you get to be a fire twirler? Uh, usually you find someone or spot someone doing it and ask them to give you a go, essentially. <laughs> My, myself, so when I was about 14 or so, I'm 28 now, my mother came home from a second-hand shop with a set of um, what we call devil sticks, which is uh, two small hand sticks when, and another larger stick you can bounce between them. Um, not, not a fire one, one you can't set on fire, uh, and said, give this a go. She found it for five bucks. And I, saw, I sort of gave that a go and enjoyed it and practiced with it. And um, about three years later, I moved to a town where there was a group of people who were doing fire twirling, and I thought, oh, I didn't even realize I could get five versions of this and I went up to them and asked if I could give it a go and showed them what I could do and that's it basically that's that's how I got it into it right so I would have I would have imagined that you'd have to um, you know go and get a license and get a approved and you know all of that is that is that sort of what happens have a resume on you know <laughs> a letter of recommendation whether you're allowed to be a fire dweller well it's not exactly a you know a um, recognized uh, degree or anything uh, it's, it's certainly for most people it's a hobby um, so I do professional shows so I have public liability insurance I have you know a safety plan I have you know a, a, an ABN and everything else but for most people it's just a hobby it's just the same as you don't need a license to do juggling you don't need a license to play the guitar it's the same as that I suppose Yes, except, except that you can't is. damage yourself seriously by juggling mm. or playing the guitar. So I would have thought you'd have to have some sort of safety certificate or does that just come with your insurance or something? Um, yeah, so if, if I'm you know, performing in a public space or on, on someone else's property, then the insurance covers that. Uh, most people sort of just perform in, you know, in their backyard or just practice at home or you know, in a park or something. Um, where there's basically no risk of burning anything other than themselves, I suppose. But that's that's a risk you got to take, I suppose. Uh, you know, <laughs> even you know, you don't need to be able to have a license to be a chef and you know accidentally slice your finger off or anything. So, uh, there's we all have dangerous hobbies, I suppose. But no, that's that's a fair point. I hadn't really. Yeah. So I was reading all about um, mm. the 
do you wear a costume generally or when you perform? Sometimes, yes. Um, I'm looking into getting more costumes, but usually I wear like a uh, like a nice silk shirt and a vest or a top hat or something, uh, sort of the, the carnival look, I suppose, carnival girl look, but um, I've, I've worn body paint before, like bright blue body paint with sort of Celtic swirls and spirals and that sort of thing. Um, I'd love to get something more flowing. Um, a lot of people use a lot of like leather straps and that sort of gear, I guess. It sort of works with the, the I don't know, look, looks good in, in with, with fire around, I suppose. Mm, well, I was reading particularly that fire twirlers have to be careful not to use any non-synthetic fibres. Mm, correct, <laughs> and, correct. And you yeah. can't even use hairspray. Yeah, that's, that's correct. Hairspray is a very dangerous thing to have around fire. Um, yeah, so natural fibres are the best, definitely the best. Natural fibres burn, which means you can just take them off, whereas synthetic fibres melt, which means if they're on fire, you can't take them off, they'll stick to you, which is uh, very bad. So yeah, yeah, leather, silk, cotton, anything like that's really good. Yeah, and I wouldn't imagine that you'd want anything too flowy and tassely, otherwise you'd accidentally be like a wick. You'd sort of <laughs> yes set and no. yourself on fire. Definitely. If, uh, especially when you're starting out and when you're practicing, you definitely want to be wearing tight sort of fitting clothing. Um, if you're performing and you're confident and you sort of know where the tassels are and where your fire is, it's, it's definitely doable. Um, but it's, it's all comes down to confidence and practice for when it comes down to the style of clothing, I suppose you're wearing. Yeah, interesting. So tell me, does, is fire twirling, dancing, spinning, mm -hmm. is it a ceremonial thing? Or is it, an ex is it an expression? Or is it telling a story? Or, or all of those things? Absolutely depends on who's doing it. Uh, a lot of, um, I think, indigenous tribes in, you know, the Polynesians, they do, they do fire dancing. And that's very much a, a tribal sort of thing. Um, I'm not sure about telling a story. Maybe they do. Um, and for some people, it's very much just the, the shock of it all. You know, the fire breathers, the big booms, the big flames. It's all just a sort of shock show. You know, this is a dangerous thing and I'm trying to impress you by putting myself in danger, I guess. Um, for some people, it's much more elegant and like, like a dance, I suppose, like you say. Um, telling a story is definitely part of it too. Uh, like I've, I've done sort of themed shows when I was wearing that blue body paint we had another person dressed up like a Viking and someone else, you know, in, in a similar sort of costume and we sort of had this, this theme and this, and, and our, our acts worked well, work, worked into that. We had sort of mock fighting, I suppose, as well. Um, so, yeah, it can be whatever you, whatever you take it to, you know. Is it, do you mostly get hired by, say, people, have, maybe corporates or um, people having a party or something like that and it's, uh, you know, 60th or something and they mm -hmm. say we're having mm -hmm. a, a viking party is that is that most of your gigs or what do you mostly do it's mostly the more corporate more public things so i've done a couple of shows for the council here in toowoomba for their new year's eve festivals um, i've done a show out in i want to say miles they do a fire and water festival every second year so we we go up there um, you know, big public stage stuff. Uh, but I've also done a small little um, renaissance fair in someone's backyard. There was probably 15 people there. I've done a wedding um, reception. I've done a Halloween festival that a hotel was running before. Um, yeah, for the most part, larger organisations, I suppose. Mm. Now, you mentioned before um, two things. One about the, the fire breathing so mm -hmm. that's where they have the accelerant or whatever the fuel in their mouth is it and yep. then they 
it spit it out and set that on fire. So that's yep. pretty dramatic. And what? Have, so do you do that as well? No, I have no desire to poison myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's definitely one of the more dangerous things, uh, partially because there's fire much much closer to your body, and to the liquids we use and the chemicals we use, you have to use very specific stuff for it. And it's still not good, you know, you got to brush your teeth for a week afterwards to get rid of the smell. Um, I know someone who had to get their stomach pumped by, by doing it once. It's definitely, it's not for me, not for me. Yeah, not your thing. What about the fire eating? That's a different thing again. Yeah, that one I'd... So you um, put something into your mouth and mm. do you get burnt by that? Like, how does that work? Um, I, that's one I'd, I'd love to learn. I know the theory behind it. I know how it works. I, maybe I shouldn't part the veil too much, but um, <laughs> uh, trickery is there. Oh uh, well, there's a there's definitely a technique to it. Um, if you do it correctly, you shouldn't get burnt. Uh, is the is the short version. Um, it's but yeah, it's it's something it's something different. Um, I'd love to learn how to do it. Mm -hmm. I just haven't put the time into it yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I can't imagine like when you're learning to do something, anything, you hurt yourself, and you know that that one's a big hurt. Yeah, that is one of the things, uh, you know, the old adage, if you play with fire, you're going to get burned. Uh, I certainly do burn myself when I practice every now and then. Um, when I, maybe, I've been doing this now for about 14 years, when maybe 10 or 11, sorry, 10 or, yeah, 10 or so years ago, I would probably burn myself every second time I practiced. Nothing severe ever. I've burned myself in my, my kitchen one much worse. But, um, yeah, if, if you, and, and it sort of comes down to how, quickly you want to learn and how much you want to try new things. I'm constantly trying to do dumb things, I guess. And so I burn myself more than the average person. Um, what sort of dumb things are you doing? Like, you know, riding a unicycle with a <laughs> <laughs> flame or something and juggling that or what? Oh, just, just throwing it up in the air and, and hoping that it's going to be in the right place when I catch it and, uh, you know, Doing trying moves I've not really practiced before without fire. Um, obviously, anything you want to try with fire, you should probably should try with without fire. But sometimes I'll just see something and think, oh, I'll give it a go. Um, so I'm I'm not really, I, I've never really gotten any training. I sort of just taught myself, and so I've never really gone for a routine. You know, you'll you'll find YouTube videos that'll say, okay, you want to put your hand like this and hold it like this and move in a certain direction in a certain way. And if you follow those instructions. You, they're, they're sort of designed to keep the fire away from you and you're not going to burn yourself. But I don't follow those instructions. I just see, I see a move and I'm like, I'm going to give that a go. And then I burn myself. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that wasn't right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I've, I've, I've honestly never burned myself severely. Right. The things you can learn on YouTube, how to change oh, yeah. the chain on a chainsaw, how to be a fire twirler. There's, there's a lot. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of content out there for this, this flow artist stuff. It's, um, it's become much more massive over the last couple of years. Is it? Why, mm. why would that be, do you think? Uh, possibly COVID, because it is definitely something you can practice inside. Not, not the fire version, obviously, but um, realistically, fire or no fire, the skills are pretty much very, very similar. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess that's, that's a part of it. It's something you can practice in your backyard alone or at home. Um, it's something that you can video yourself doing and post online and, and show all your friends that, you know, oh, look what I'm doing, look what I'm trying. Um, and I don't know, it's just getting, the more people who do it, the more people who see it, the more people who want to try it. So I suppose it grows naturally in that way. Is there much of a fire twirling society here in Toowoomba or? There's us, there is a group, yep, there is a group of us. Um, so we've got a Facebook page uh, called Turnt Up Toowoomba. 
T U R N T. T U R N T. Turned up. Bit like bit like burnt. Uh, I Turn hadn't up. thought about that. No, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So again, we're mostly hobbyists. We sort of catch up every second week um, and just have a go, play around, listen to music. Uh, we have a group of drummers who often join us too. So, where, like, you get together in the park mm -hmm. and you can do the fire in the park, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Yep, yep, yeah. We just yeah we get together in Queens Park every second week. Okay. Yeah, up, up on the, do the you north tend part. to um, attract a crowd when you're doing that? Not usually a crowd. There's there's often passers-by who'll sort of, you know, some some of them continue to walk and sort of watch us as they as they walk along. Some will stop and, you know, take photos. Some will stop and ask to give it to have a go. Uh, it's very rare that people will sort of gather and, you know, conglomerate around us, I suppose, specifically to watch. They'll, they usually, you know, they're on a walk or something, so they'll they'll go along, stop for a few minutes and continue on. Um, usually around Christmas, we, we gather crowds because there's a lot of people in the park heading towards the, the lights and everything else. Mm, a free show, um, sounds Yeah. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just remind the listeners that you're on Big Little Small Talk and we're talking to Tyrone Phillips, who is a fire twirler. We were talking just before about um, the Polynesian um, art of mm, fire, dan mm. fire dancing and drums and things. So. Why do you think, um, because there seems to be these, um, the Polyne the um, Samoan and the Tahitian and the Hawaiian style mm -hmm. of fire dancing, why do you think it's come out of there? Do you know anything about the history of that? Uh, I don't know a lot about the history of the fire aspect of it, honestly. Um, I guess it was just uh, available. It was it was a, an art form they could they could do, they had access to, you know, a lot of sort of obviously some locations aren't great for it rocky mountainous places aren't great for it places with lots of trees and foliage aren't great and beaches i guess are fine um most of the sort of history i know of it is to do with the actual um implements and the the the, the toys and the uh the props we use um where they sort of come from so um a dragon staff for example is is one that i i, I love i love uh, a lot that's um based on a chinese trident that is is used in performances some um, they don't use fire over there in, in the, the chinese trident performances but yeah so where the fire part comes from i don't know mm, I'll, I'll i'll we'll go back to um the things that you use in a mm, minute mm. but i was reading that um this ancient tradition of fire dances was to do um, often to do with pre-battle um, rituals mm -hmm. and with warriors and often and you mentioned it before about the mm. drum beat so i mean it's so <laughs> emotive isn't it you yeah know, the sound yeah. and the sight and the smell and oh, yeah. all of that i suppose it's the big g up when you're just about to go into battle. yeah that, that yeah. makes sense that makes sense yeah, yeah yeah one of my favorite shows i've ever done was um at a glen Innes, uh celtic festival and we had a, a guy on some bagpipes and a guy on a drum and someone on something else. And there would have been, I don't know, 15 sort of fire twirlers just wandering around this massive bonfire with this, this booming sort of noise in the background. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Have you ever been to Woodford for the fire festival? That's on New Year's Eve, isn't it? Or mm. New Year's Day, I think, that they have the fire. I, I don't think I've ever been there, but I've seen some photos. It's amazing. Yeah. No, I, I'd love to. I'd love to go to one of those things, but um, I haven't been to that one. No, no. It's, uh, it's on my bucket list. You're probably working <laughs> the whole time when you're, um, if you're doing a show of your own on New Year's Eve. <laughs> So let's That's go it. back to the um, the implements. So, mm -hmm. you know, you, you sometimes think of the sword or the, the mm -hmm. um, you know, the fire eating. But and then I think that New Year's Eve show I saw you. Did you have like a chain with two balls on the end that you were mm. you um, had lit up, or is that that what would sort have, of implements do you use? 
that that would have been the lady I was working with, um, Whisper. So those are called Poi, uh, and essentially, yeah, it's just a chain with a wick on the on the end of it, essentially. Um, so staves are pretty pretty common, pretty easy. Um, I use one staff or two staffs, one on each hand. Um, I also use something called devil sticks, which I mentioned before. Um, they're also called flower sticks or trick sticks, where you'll be juggling one stick between two other sticks. Hard to explain, easy to show. Uh, I've got a dragon staff, which is a big long staff with um, large weighted ends, either in spirals or with wicks coming off them, uh, which um, lets you let them roll down your body and carry a lot of momentum. Um, Personally, that's all I have, but there's people in town who have uh, fire hoops, so hula hoops with fire coming off them, or fans. Uh, I've seen fire juggling balls before, I've seen fire Diablo, which those ones we all tried as a kid with the string and the, the sticks. Uh, um, oh, yes, yeah. Bits and pieces, there's a lot of equipment out there. Swords, like you mentioned, someone down recently got a sword, very exciting. <laughs> they're, um, they're, they're different, they're different. What about a fire umbrella? What does that look like? Where does, what part's on fire with that? Um, that's one I've not tried. I've not seen one of those before, honestly. No. Well, neither have I. <laughs> it sounds really <laughs> exciting. I mean, you won't be surprised. I've got yeah. some wicks around here. Maybe we can give it a go. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, not right now. And mm. it's not a good um, it's not a good thing for radio either. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> that's mm. right. So, how does um, you know? We we talked about how you you got into it. Your mum brought it home. Mm-hmm. For you, is it? It's a a creative outlet like are you, are you creative in your other life Tyrone what else do you do that's creative like that mm, um, that's, a, that's a good question I suppose it is yeah a creative way and um, it's, it's sort of a in some way fitness as well in some way flexibility in some way keeping my body limber and being able to do what it does I guess um, in terms of other creative arts sort of things, not not a hell of a lot, honestly. Um, I play a lot of uh, tabletop games, board games, card games, that sort of thing. Um, uh, you know, I love listening to music, but I don't really make music or make art or make anything like that. Um, so no, no, it's really the only big creative thing in my life, I suppose. Mm. What about Wordle? Are you into Wordle? Wordle? No, no, I've tried it once, uh, but no, not not for me, not for me. What board games do you love? Um, I've got a, a small collection, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> what's uh, your favourite? You what's your go-to? Hmm, my my favourite of all time might be Hero Quest, but um, it's not a good game, but it's got a lot of nostalgia in it, you know. Mm, okay. <laughs> but, what about uh, Scrabble? Are you a big Scrabble man? Maybe if you're not a Wordle fan, you wouldn't be a Scrabble fan. <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely played it, but um, no, I, I like more modern board games. I've got um, a group of my friends of mine who are starting to play um, a game called Betrayal at House on the Hill every second week, which is sort of like exploring a haunted mansion sort of thing. Is it an actual board game or yeah, is it something yeah. online? No, it's a board game. Yep, yep, right. yep. Um, we get little tiles and build a little haunted house and explore it and try not to you know, betray each other too much. Um, uh, I play a card game called Magic the Gathering, um, usually once or twice a week, which is sort of similar to Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh or any of them. Um, I play role-playing games like Dungeons and Dragons every now and then. Um, and you told me just before we started the interview that you had a Dungeons and Dragons radio show in Armadale when you were going through uni. Tell me about that. Yeah, many years ago. So I, I think it was on a Wednesday from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. or some... That's the real graveyard. Yeah, <laughs> some horrendous time shift. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we were live on air every second week. Um, and um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Just well, just explain to mm. people 
older people. I may or may <laughs> not be one of those, but um, exactly what Dungeons and Dragons is. <laughs> so it's it's what we call a role playing game. You you create a character. It could be a barbarian or a wizard or whatever, and you um, basically basically choose what their character's going to do, act out the things they're doing, uh, and and roll dice to to see if they succeed. So the you might have someone who is sort of creating, you'll, yeah, you'll have a, a dungeon master who's creating a world for your characters to explore. And they might say, ah, oh, you know, there's, you, you're walking through the, the forest and there's a cave, would you like to go into it? And if you go in the cave, you might find some goblins. And um, it's, I, I don't know, I'm not very good at explaining it, honestly. But um, there's a lot, of, a lot of podcasts and a lot of media out there about it. But um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun to run. Um, How do you do it on air? How well, so... Theatre of the mind is a powerful tool in, in these role-playing games. So sometimes you'll have an actual physical board, um, but many people don't, so it's sort of just your imagination. And in that sense, the, the, the players weren't really getting any less than the listeners, I guess. There was no physical aspect of it the listeners were missing out on. Um, so we were just sort of rolling dice, and one person, or me, was you know, telling the players what they found and what, what happened, um, <laughs> I suppose. How was your listenership? You know, uh, very good, surprisingly. So <laughs> I, I didn't, I never saw the numbers, uh, but I was always told there was always a spike when we went on. Mm. Oh. My my greatest regret in life is uh, we lost all the recordings at the very first episode. Oh, it's a bit like the countdown, the early countdown years. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. Unfortunately, yes. so the first episode's definitely out there somewhere. <laughs> oh well, if there's anyone out there from our, our brethren community radio people who can find what was the show called? Uh, I I think it was. Adventures in Westfall or something, something, something very vague like that. Oh, oh that sounds. Amazing. Yeah. So, what were you studying when you were at Amanda? Uh Civil engineering, and I'm still studying now. I think I'm eight years into a three-year degree now, so I must be getting close to the end of it. <laughs> Have you been working the whole time? Uh, for a large part of it, yeah. The first two or three years, I was I was studying full time, part time, and then I yeah got a job. Um, I got a job as a tip worker sorting recycling and another job as a support worker looking after a disabled guy. And then I've sort of moved around and once I got to Toowoomba here, I got a job with the local council full time. Okay. Uh, what's, um, what's the plan with the civil engineering? Is it, um, do you see yourself doing that as a full time job or do you think, and fire twirling, do you have any desire to go and be a creative person or a, a fire twirler in another life? Um, or another um, <laughs> portal, you would say, wouldn't you, in the modern parlance of, um, is that right? Oh, I suppose. No, you're looking at me like I'm, <laughs> I'm not making I, any sense. I, I know what you mean. Well, I've definitely, yeah, so engineering is, is the number one pick. Um, if engineering falls over, um, you know, quitting quitting work and joining the circus as a fire troll is definitely number two. Um, I have a few other few other things I'd like to do after if, if that doesn't work but um, I'd love to be able to, to run events manage events that sort of thing um, I, I do a lot of that in my spare time as well um, but yeah yeah fire twirling I'd, I'd love to do it full-time but I think I would need a manager I'd need someone to to find me shows and to advertise better for me and get me a bit of a social media presence I suppose more of a social media presence because I'm not great at that stuff. Mm, like most artists, they're not really good at self-promotion, are they? They're yeah, we just, into their art, yeah we just want to do it. <laughs> exactly, and someone, have someone else um, sort of do all of the, um, the mm. boring stuff. So we, um, we were talking um, 
about how you got into fire twirling. So mm -hmm. did you grow up in Toowoomba or? No, I, my parents are very itchy feet. They can't stand still for very long. Um, I've never lived anywhere more than about five years. Uh, what so, sort of work were they doing that they were moving around uh, so much? Everything, everything. My, my dad has flown planes, driven buses, managed an Aboriginal community, managed a small hippie store. My mum sort of done half of those things and more. You know, she was running a women's centre out in the WA at one point. She was running a home daycare business at one point. So um, whatever they felt like is what they were doing. But yeah, I was, I was born that, in Cairns. You were born in Cairns. So did that, um, do you think, did that ever create any tension between them? Did they both have the equal amount of itchy feet and wanted to move on? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. They Even today, they, they just bought a camper van last week and they want to, they're a, very, my dad's, I think, a week or two from retirement, and they want to just travel the country together. And right. yeah, so they they're not stopping anytime soon. <laughs> and did you like moving around like that, or did you find it difficult? They often talk to kids of um, army or military, mm -hmm. and some kids love it because mm -hmm. it meant that they went somewhere new all the time, and it made them very resilient and made them able to make friends very easily. Was that your experience, or did you sort of feel like? Oh no, we're moving again. <laughs> it sort of started out as the, the, oh no, we're moving again and, and grew more and more into the resili resilience, I suppose. Um, yeah, I definitely didn't love it when I was younger. Um, it definitely was annoying uh, always having to move and make new friends and find new things to do and get used to new places. Um, but yeah, now I'm, I'm definitely looking back at it and, and um, happy that we did it, I guess, because mm -hmm. I, I, I am good at talking to strangers and you know, uh, meet, making new friends and trying new things. Um, yeah, and, and I've, I've lived in a lot of places and I've seen a lot of cultures. You know, I think before I was 18, I probably went to five or six different countries and um, I spent four tell years of... Tell me some of those experiences. Mm, well, I spent four years of high school over in Ireland. Uh, my dad is Irish, so I've got an Irish passport. It makes things very easy. Um, and that was that was very different. The what schooling system... What part of Ireland was, were you in? Uh, down the south in Cork. Um, yeah, my dad was born in Dublin, I think, but he moved over here when he was four years old. So he basically is Australian as you can get. And then we moved over, we went over there for a holiday and stayed for four years. Um, really? So mm. tell me how that happened. So you didn't come back? Uh, we, well, um, we're here now. <laughs> no, but like you got over there for a holiday mm. and your parents just decided, well, we're going to stay here now. Uh, we, we did come back, but we're basically during that holiday, they sort of decided they wanted to live there. So mm -hmm. we came back. Got sorted everything out, finalized whatever, and yeah, packed up and moved over there. Yeah, so my cousin at the time was running a small store, which sort of sold a lot of fair trade, uh, fair trade gear, so clothes, beanies, scarves, uh, anything fair trade, I suppose. Um, and she needed someone to manage the store while she gallivanted around the world buying stuff. So she would go to Bolivia and go to the Bolivian women's prisons and buy the things that the people in there were making. And she would go to South America and she'd go to Africa and she'd go all of these places and find the people making stuff and bring it back to Ireland and, and sell it in the store. So she needed someone to manage the store. So what year are we talking about? What years was this? This would have been my um, fourth year of high school we got there. So what's that year? You're like around 15 or something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, probably 15. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. 
So who else in the family is there, Tyrone, besides you and your mum and dad? Do you have um, any brothers and sisters? I have one brother, but he's much older than me. Uh, he's 14 years older than me, so he moved out of home when I was like two or four years old. Okay. So he stayed in Cairns, and um, yeah. So my, my parents did the same thing to him that they did to me. They wandered around the countryside. So as soon as he left home, he's never moved, basically. Oh, really? Interesting, mm. right? He's really stayed put. Yeah, yeah, actually, we have the exact same story. Um, so he was at his girlfriend's house and came back home, and there was a for sale sign outside mum and dad's place. Um, <laughs> And they did the same thing to me. I was off at uni, I came back and they're like, we're moving. I should have seen it coming. Yes, if you learn anything from history, they wouldn't do it again. Why was there such a big break between you two, do you know? Um, My mother was told by the doctor that she'd never have another child. And uh, well, surprise. Yeah, right. And so it didn't slow them down. They, They kept up the same patterns of moving around. Yeah, yeah. And what's your memories of living in Ireland? Uh, very cold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I definitely walked to walked to school in the snow once, uh, once or twice. Um, it's a very different culture. It's very small. Everything's very close together. All the little hamlets are sort of gathered around central points, and all the buildings are directly next to each other. They all, you know, they live in a lot of terraced houses, so they're literally wall to wall. I don't know. It's just a different place. People are people see things in different ways. Um, I remember a lot of older buildings, a lot of older roads, a lot of older infrastructure, um, you know, green mossy hills and sheep. Mm. Um, yeah, different food, different people. Uh, it's, Cork is a very, very pretty laid back, I suppose, sort of place. Um, they sort of think of themselves as the rebels of the, the country, so they're always trying to avoid government and trying to avoid the law and everything else, but not not in a bad way, more of like a... Uh, we, we won't bother getting a permit for, for our, our bonfire or whatever, or TV licenses or <laughs> whatever. Right, yeah. So as opposed to sort of like the IRA in the north around Dublin and all of that, did you mm. have much contact with anything to do with the troubles in the north and everything mm. like that? No, no, never never an issue at all. Um, we travelled we travel around as, you know, my parents can't stop moving, so we, we pretty much visited everywhere in, in, um, in Ireland. Um, we went to Dublin, we went up to north, um, County Tyrone, definitely, definitely got, went there. Um, oh yes, mm. namesake. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you lived in Ireland. Where about? Where, what other countries did you live in? That was the only other country I've lived in. But um, I've travelled a lot of other places. We spent a week in um, India and in, in Goa. Um, spent a couple of weeks in Scotland with a cousin of mine who's a mathematician out there. Uh, we were only supposed to stay there for a week, so we we had this grand plan when we moved back to Australia. We're going to fly from Ireland to the mainland Europe and then take a train all the way through China and Russia and, and down to sort of northern uh, Southeast Asia and then fly to Australia. And on the very first leg of the journey in Scotland, my dad fell down two steps, not flights, just two steps and broke a tendon in his knee and we stayed there for six months or something. Oh, wow. So I was in Scotland for a while. So what did you do? Did you go to school there or...? Uh, no, no, this was... I think it, was, it would have been during the school holidays, so... Maybe it wasn't six months. Maybe it was three months, but um, it wasn't long enough to, to have to go to school or anything. Yeah, uh, other places I've been um, spent a week in Cambodia, which um, I got to say the nicest people in the world I've ever met are in Cambodia. It's um it's a an amazing country with a horrendous history, and the people there are just so thankful to be be there, I guess. And um, yeah, uh, I've been to a few other little places in India in in Asia. Um, I've been to Japan. Um, I'm trying to think of where else I've been. I've, I've done a lot of stopovers in Dubai and Amsterdam and, and wherever else. Um. And your parents, um, 
when they're sort of um, um, wanderlust traps around, <laughs> do you <laughs> yep. ever remember sort of them saying, and what what do you think, Tyrone? Are you um, you know you keen on doing this, or was it sort of? Well, love, we're, we're, <laughs> we're ready. Yeah, I, I had no say in it. Never, never. Yeah. They're like very interesting people, your parents. I'd love to meet them sometime. They, they, they sound like they're, um, they're very interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they're hoping to move to Toowoomba in the near uh, next couple of years once they, once they get sick of their caravan. So yeah. well, we'll see. Well, we'll, <laughs> never, um, we'll like to hear them, like to hear their stories. Mm. So I suppose the obvious thing is um, with your fire twirling. We'll just go back mm-hmm. to that mm-hmm. briefly. Have you had any serious injuries? You said you haven't really um, hurt yourself too badly. No, no. I've, I've. I'm trying to look for burns on my hands right now. <laughs> um, no, very old ones. No, I've definitely had burns that have sort of hurt for you know a couple of days or a week or something but mm, um no. tell me about the led um things what what is that what are you doing with that now that's so i have a new staff um uh, came out of the ukraine just before everything happened over there so they're hard to get these days um, it's got 576 leds on it it's um fully programmable uh in that i can put any shape or image into it um, and it again is is a dragon staff, so it's sort of it's it's imagine imagine it's sort of a, a, a staff rolling down your arms, and on the ends is a big uh, image, I suppose, that's spinning around essentially. Um, and it's, it's it's again it's one of those things that's just you you can't really explain it. So um, definitely, all the listeners look up dragon staff on YouTube and or even LED dragon staff, and you'll sort of get an idea of what it is. But yeah, essentially. Uh, it's something that I can do indoors. It's something I can do during the day, or in you know a place where there's fire just wouldn't be possible if there's a fire ban on or something. Um, and it's fully customizable, so I can put a company's logo on there, or I can sync it up to music to change colors whenever you know a beat hits or something. Mm. Um, it's a it's. What's the reaction? <laughs> uh, have you done it in a professional sense? Yeah? Not yet. I've yeah. only had this thing for a short amount of time. Yeah, but you love it, do you? Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering whether, you know, a crowd just loves the the danger of the fire, that you possibly might get <laughs> hair on fire or something. That's definitely a part of it. Oh, yes, that's mm. definitely a part of it. One of the most popular props I have is my, my double starves, where, you know, I've got two sticks in one hand, or two sticks in, in two hands. And, and the reason for that is just because there's more fire, quite frankly. Um, it's not a very technically challenging or technically impressive thing, um, but yeah, it's a lot of fire and people like it for that, I suppose. <laughs> like the fire. More so, yeah. fire! Yeah, more so fire. the LED stuff, I, I don't know, it's pretty impressive. It's it's pre- impressive in a different way, I guess. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I understand, yeah. I'll just remind the listeners that we're on 4DDB and we're in our segment called Big Little Small Talk where someone tells <laughs> me their interesting story. And today, Tyrone Phillips, who is a fire twirler and an engineer, or going to be an engineer, and a lot more besides, is telling me all about the world of fire twirling. Mm. It's so an interesting one. It's an it interesting is, one. It is. One more thing I wanted to ask you, just going back to the games, we mm-hmm. are jumping around here um, a bit at the moment, but my husband's work, they wanted to go to the safe room. Do you do that? I've never tried one of those, but I'd love to. Yeah, I, those those escape room sort of things. Mm. Yeah, Is it called the escape room or the safe room. Uh, I think the safe room might be the the specific one we have. I think they're generally called escape rooms, but they all have different names. So okay. the TikTok room or whatever. Um, yeah, so I'd you love might to just try that. Explain to the listeners because it does mm. sound 
sort of something that's sort of slightly creepy, but it's not yeah. creepy. <laughs> exactly what it is. My understanding is, so you and a group of friends will, will go to this place at a, you know, your book, your book a session in essentially. And there's and one in Toowoomba, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. so, yeah, yeah. Um, Margaret Street, I think. Yeah, yeah, and you'll, it, it's sort of designed to be a bunch of puzzles. So it might have like a theme, like, might look like a haunted house or might look like a, I don't know, a spaceship or whatever. And you'll have to go from room to room solving puzzles and you know, once you solve the puzzle, the door will open or you'll get a certain object or, or something. And, and so, yeah, I think it's just like a group puzzle solving exercise in a very themed area. Is, okay. uh, yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about the place upstairs in Ruffman Street where you can go there and play games all together? Mm, battle Station? That? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, my home away from home. <laughs> right, so tell me what goes on there. Um, yeah, so, people, it's another world too. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this place is, um, it's kind of hard to find. It's just like a glass doorway in, in, in Ruffman Street, like you say, sort of opposite Gelatissimo. Um, but yeah, a lot of tabletop games there. So a lot of people are playing um, what they call war games, where you'll set a bunch of miniature things up and roll some dice and you know move move things around and fire guns or, or whatever um, like like you're basically simulating two armies fighting i suppose um a lot of role-playing games like this dungeons and dragons happen there they've got a separate area for that uh card games like uh, magic the gathering which is what i play or there's one called flesh and blood which is getting more popular um, and of course it's a store as well you can buy hundreds of board games or cards or miniatures or paints um, painting miniatures is, is a massive massive thing mm. and some very very skilled people they've, they've got all these cabinets of sort of painted miniatures and they're they yeah, when you oh, say yeah. miniatures, they're like little miniature figures they're not yeah. miniature paintings. yeah 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 miniature yeah. figures yeah yeah, right. yeah yeah so there'll be a, you know a, a lizard man or a, i don't know a, an orc or something or a human or whatever and someone's got this tiny little paintbrush and they've put tiny little eyes on it and Put a lot of little details and yeah it's it's in there's some incredible artists honestly in town for, for that sort of stuff I, i've tried it before <laughs> it's just another world whatever happened to going to the pub ah uh, too noisy <laughs> <laughs> and much healthier the life you're living than going to the pub and seeing bands I mm, think. Yeah. not not necess not necessarily cheaper honestly some oh, really? of the some of these um, games can be pretty expensive to to keep up with i suppose yeah the war games especially they're very, very expensive. And, and card games can be as well. Definitely, definitely. So tell me, is it mostly blokes at these things or any women? Um, yes and no. It is. It is mostly men. It's probably, I don't know, maybe 80%, 70%, something like that. Um, but it depends on the hobby. So wargaming is... Uh, I, I want to say wargaming is more women than men. Sorry, more men than women for the majority. Um, Dungeons & Dragons role-playing games, maybe 50-50, honestly. They're pretty close. Um, card games, probably, I don't know. 70 30 maybe more maybe less um yeah it is it is a definitely a male dominated thing but it's, it's a pretty welcoming space honestly um I, I don't know if women aren't interested in it because it's perceived as a as a male sort of hobby or maybe i don't know I don't, I'm, I'm not really sure maybe just the males are more interested in in sitting down and painting little eyes on men i don't i'm not sure so when you say um you're simulating the war game mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I have a picture of like in the movies when they used to um, get those little <laughs> yeah. silver things and move the um, move them like a little shovel and move that one mm. over here. And is it a bit like that? It's not. It's not dissimilar. <laughs> um, so yeah, essentially, uh, I don't have a huge amount of experience, but like let's say you'd you'd get five little figurines and you'd put them on a board, and your opponent would put theirs on on a, a board as well, and then you'd 
take turns moving one piece and, and rolling dice and they might have certain abilities. One, this one might have a knife and this one might have a jetpack and whatever else and they can do specific actions, I suppose. And yeah, you just roll dice and hope for the best and use strategy. A lot of them are um, sort of not grid-based, I suppose, as you might expect a, a board to be, but um, they're more measurement-based, so you might be able to move you know, eight inches or something per turn or... Yeah, but essentially, yeah, similar enough to those those sort of old war games you see in movies. What about chess? Are you a chess man? Uh, I think I've played chess maybe ten times in my life and I've won none of them. But I know how to play Didn't it. Didn't grab you. <laughs> no, okay. never did, never did. All right, as per usual, I always seem to run out of time listening to the strange world of other people. It's not strange, but great. Unusual. <laughs> Don't unusual, yeah. <laughs> what about books? Are you a book reader? Uh, I used to read a lot of books What's when I was last younger. Good book that you read. The last good good book that I read was one called uh, "The Magic Goes Away" by um, Larry Niven. He writes a lot of sci-fi, and this is one's about uh, well wizards and fantasy, and uh, it's a kind of an allegory for um, uh, global warming. I think honestly. Interesting. Okay. That, the sound of it doesn't surprise me from what I've learnt of you so far. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I mean, I mean that quite genuinely. Um, <laughs> If you were a circus creep, if, if you were in a circus and you mm -hmm. did say, funnily enough, before um, that you were going to run away and um, join the circus, <laughs> but if you were in a circus, which character would you be? If I have to, if, um, if it isn't the obvious answer as the fire twirler. Surprisingly, it's not the obvious answer. Mm. Um, ringleader is where I would want to be. I'd want to be the person, you know, ladies and gentlemen, be heartlessly welcome. I want to, yeah, introduce people. I want to grab a crowd. That's what I want to do. So interesting. <laughs> Big pair of um, stripy trousers yeah. and a, um, a top hat. Yeah, if I haven't got a top hat, it's not really a ringleader, is it? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Terrific. <laughs> and I, I suspect, well, you said you own a top hat, don't you? So mm. you're halfway there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. I've got to get the trousers now. <laughs> that's right. All right. What about um, social media? I would imagine as a young person, you'd be into your social media. Have you mm -hmm. ever stalked someone on so social media? Oh, every now and then I check out people's, you know, posts and photos if I meet someone new or someone joins a group or whatever. But um, yeah, not not specifically, not you not too deep. Stalking? No, I guess not. I've never like stalked a famous person or anything either, or uh, kept track of their movements. No, not really. Yeah, not really. You don't go down too many rabbit holes. No. Yeah, the temptation's there though. Oh, I'm too busy. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky you. Um, slightly more serious one. What mm -hmm. about the biggest risk you've ever taken? Um, probably fire twirling on top of a truck. So uh, it was during a barbecue festival. Uh, I was hired by one of the, the meat vans to well do some do some fire twirling, and they said, "Well, we've got a ladder and we've got a truck. If you want to get up there, feel free." Um, and I definitely took it pretty easy. I didn't do anything too risky while I was up there because if I drop something, then it's gone. <laughs> so would that be like your sort of your craziest? Um, event you've ever done or, uh, or I, what's what's the best event you've ever done or the, the one that you've loved the most um craziest step that was i guess yeah yeah the the best one honestly honestly i've really enjoyed the new year shows we've done here just because the the, the setup and the people we do it with um yeah working with other performers is, is the best kind of shows and, and those have been some of my my duo performances i guess yeah mm. It's great to be able to bounce you, off people. Um, you're bouncing off the other person. Do you mm. rehearse and have a, a, a format of what you're going to do? Absolutely. And the more people you work with, the more people you have to do it with. Um, mm. if, if you're just doing on your own, yeah, it's not so necessary. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
you have to be coordinated, I mm. guess. Especially yeah. with this LED stuff. I'm, I'm definitely putting a lot of work into uh, rehearsing some of that. Okay, mm. great. What about the time when you've been most happy, Tyrone? Uh, that'll be today, only surpassed by tomorrow, or maybe the day I uh, finish my degree. Ah, <laughs> so why why today? You mean you're an optimist? You like uh, yeah, basically. Day, you take every day as it comes. Yeah, basically. Yeah, I'm, I'm a pretty happy part of my life, and um, I can only see it. Can't see it getting worse. <laughs> you're not looking in the rearview mirror. You're looking ahead. Yeah, basically. What a great thing to say. What an optimistic sort of way to live your life. This is the best day I've had so far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, works for me. Works for me. Yeah, terrific. Now, I might be um, a totally, you know, different, you've talked a lot about sort of kings and stuff, <laughs> but I do ask this question of all my guests mm -hmm. about which is their most favourite royal. Now, it doesn't have to be a British one, doesn't mm. have to be living. So, a royal, do you have a favourite royal? Can it be fictional? Uh, of course. Uh, then Prince Humperdinck from The Princess Bride for being <laughs> a fantastic villain. Okay, and, what uh, is The Princess Bride? Uh, it's, a, it's a movie from, I think it was the 80s, maybe 90s. Um, it's a great fantasy movie. Um, everyone should definitely watch it. It's and why do we like Prince Humperdinck? The only Humperdinck I've ever heard of was, um, who was the singer? Humperdinck, someone or other? I'm not I'm sure. On 40DB will be able to tell me who that is. <laughs> yeah. um, but he's had the name Humperdinck. So, yeah. um, he, he's just a great villain. He's just easy easy to hate, I suppose, and, and drives the plot. And uh, he, He's just, just a villain that you love to hate. Um, it's, it's a great movie, especially it's got Andre the Giant in it, so he's a sight oh, to behold. yes, the ex-wrestler, wasn't mm, he? The, yeah. the massive, huge person. Yeah, yes, yeah. he had a few problems for old Andre, didn't he? And he did, like, he I did, yeah. a documentary about him just recently. But mm. King Humperdinck. Uh, Prince Humperdinck, yep, yep. Prince he, Humperdinck, mm, yep. okay. Uh, otherwise, Lizzie's pretty great. I like her. I like her costumes and her, her dresses. <laughs> you like her dresses? She's fantastic, yeah. Have you been addicted to the television over the last couple of days with the Platinum Jubilee? Uh, I don't, didn't even know it was happening. <laughs> oh my lord, Tyrone! What's oh, look, wrong with you? I, my, my TV isn't actually connected to the TV. I don't, I don't keep track of the news and current events. <laughs> I'm such a, a young person. <laughs> and that's fair enough too. Alright. What's the song that can't keep you off the dance floor, Tyrone? Uh, the song that I'm currently trying to choreograph my, my LED stuff to, which is called um, Ghost Spores by uh, a guy called Varian. And um, wonderful vocals by a lady called Laura Bream. Ghost Spores. Ghost Spores. Hmm. I'm not sure whether Patty's going to be able to find Ghost Spores. Oh, we it sounds quite a little bit, <laughs> a little bit of the song. But um, why do you love that song so much? Is it a, it, it's going to be a good thing to do you moves to it. Essentially, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just haunting vocals, a great build-up into uh, an amazing release, I suppose. Um, yeah, and the vocals I, I love. I love the vocals of it, the, the beautiful voice. When you say haunting vocals, is it anything like Kate Bush, do you think? Uh, I'm not sure who that is. No, okay. That's, that's a generational gap there. <laughs> <laughs> so where did you first hear this song? Um, I guess it would have been on, on Spotify. So I, I found this singer, Laura Bream, just through randomly looking, listening to stuff on YouTube and then I decided to listen to every song she sung because I loved her voice so much and this one just struck a chord with me and I added it to my fire twirling playlist. Oh, fantastic. Have you got something coming up where listeners might be able to come and see, have you got a gig booked soon or? Not specifically, not not directly, but I am going to be working with a group called uh, Lock and Key who are, we're, we're doing one show every month uh, at the Powerhouse. Uh, our next show is on the 25th of June, I think. Um, which are neon, a neon theme show. I won't be performing. I'll be too busy selling tickets and running the ushers around, unfortunately. Um, but I, I hope to perform with Lock and Key at some point in the future. Okay. Oh, brilliant. I've not heard anything about that. And just mm. that group, your group, 
where people can find what is it turnt or burnt? Yeah, turnt, turnt up, turnt up to Wombo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, turnt up to Wombo. And my personal uh, fire dwelling page is called Madcap Fire Dwelling. Madcap. Madcap. All hmm. right. Yeah, okay. plenty of photos and videos in there if anyone wants to check them out. Yeah, well, I'm sure there'll be lots of people who, who do, myself included. I might be one of those um, social media stalkers going out. <laughs> and Madcap? Mm -hmm. Not Sadcap, Madcap. Madcap, M-A-D-C-A-P. Okay. Well, that's just been a, a trip into another world. I just love, particularly when I meet young people, I love <laughs> um, some of them sometimes tell me these things like, oh, I just sit there and I watch YouTube videos of someone polishing a pair of shoes <laughs> or um, someone sewing a something together. And I mm. think, wow, it's There's... just an incredible world out there there's a lot of media for sure these days and um yeah yeah if, if someone's if someone's doing something then someone else is videoing it and someone else is watching it that is such a perfect way to end the interview tyrone thank you so much for being my guest on big little small talk my pleasure that's it for this week thanks for joining me on big little small talk I hope you can make the time to join me next week. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on your favourite podcast app.